0: Welcome to our humble, humble abode. This is Battle of the Atom. And on this beautiful Christmas morn, my name is Zach Jenkins. And with me, sitting around this crackling fire, is Adam Reck. Merry Christmas, Adam.
1: Merry Christmas, Zach. How are you?
0: You know, I'm sitting here. I have my cup of hot cocoa. (laughs) I'm around the fire with friends and family I've got my lovely X Men sweater on, which I believe you have your matching one on right now. I do. I
1: do. I feel like we're uh, we're very cool sweater buddies, uh, and I, I'm grateful that we both got a chance to get this sweater because it means a lot to me. It's it's a it's a wonderful sweater. It's
0: wonderful. Uh, welcome to our holiday holiday X-Men X Men special. On Battle of the Atom. For those of you who don't know, this is the premier X Men podcast where we take a look at different X Men stories and we determine which ones are naughty and which ones are nice.
1: <laughs> and we're going to rank know. the sweater this episode too, right?
0: <laughs> uh, the sweater is number. Well, hold on. Hold on. The sweater is better than Mutant Genesis, the sweater is worse than Dark Angel <laughs> Saga. <laughs>
1: I think that's a great ranking. (laughs) I I, I just want to do a quick aside and say that like there's been so much reaction on Twitter to the sweaters, and I just feel bad for everybody that didn't get a chance to get the sweater because it seems like it's sold out on Box Lunch's website. So uh, if you are out there and you did get one, uh, congratulations, and uh, we hope that you're wearing it on uh, your festivities of whatever holidays you're celebrating.
0: Yes. Yeah, and I I do want to be clear both me and adam are just people who celebrate christmas whatever holidays you are celebrating awesome x-men is nothing but about inclusivity and you know just doing your thing though i do have a sweater story can i share this one sweater story because yeah me think it's more than appropriate
1: let's let's get into it
0: so this sweater i i pointed it out to my wife previously and if you guys don't know I'll put, I'll put a picture in the as mentioned. I'll put a link to something. Uh, there is this beautiful knit X-Men sweater that uh, Store Box Lunch was selling. I am – I don't know if I'm well-known around here, but in general, like in my office at work, I'm known as a guy who has a lot of sweaters because I think they're comfortable and they look nice on me. Uh, so I have that. My wife saw X-Men and sweaters. Well, this is a good Christmas present. However, we share a bank account. And we have had some issues of identity theft over the last year. So I watched that pretty closely. When I saw I saw a Charge, I didn't realize it initially. And I asked her, honey, honey, what is this? And then she broke down. And so I got my Christmas present early. <laughs> and she told me it was the last one they had in stock, period. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if it's it true, fast. but I want to believe. I want to believe that I got the last one.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's a good uh, morale booster for you.
0: A little Christmas miracle, if you would.
1: <laughs> and <laughs> you got it early. So I did. Christmas came early.
0: <laughs> Another Christmas miracle. Uh, but today we are talking about three holiday-themed X-Men stories, and we're just going to dive right into them. I think we got a lot of good ones this week.
1: Oh, these are great. I, I love all of these. Um, so. Yeah. Maybe maybe some more than others, but uh, these, these are really fun to go back and look at.
0: They are. Uh, and the first one we have to go back and look at is X Factor number 27 titled GIFs. Yep. GIFs. Not GIFs. like the moving pictures, which most <laughs> people would call videos, but these don't have audio. You know what I'm talking about, the GIF GIF. GIF yeah, GIF I, GIF I, call them,
1: I call them GIFs, and I've gotten into arguments with people about well, that. Well, because you're yeah.
0: objectively wrong.
1: I've been calling him that since like what nineteen ninety whatever. So you know, it's just a thing for me. It must
0: be hard to be wrong so often.
1: And for yeah, I don't know, but I'm I'm sticking. I'm going to die on that hill. Um, But this has nothing to do with animated uh, pictures that you use to react to other people on social media. I don't Um, know.
0: I do use I do use X Men panels to react to people on social media quite frequently.
1: And th- there's some fun ones in here because uh we did we say uh yeah, okay. So this X Factor has um some some great it has the X Factor kids in it. So we get um Artie and Leech, we get Boom Boom, we got Rusty and Skids. Uh hey, yeah. Is Rusty wearing a like a Robin mask here? I don't know uh, what Rusty's doing.
0: Do you think I pay you attention to Rusty? Rusty, <laughs>
1: Rusty um, Collins No. This is Key, Simonson and Simonson. Um, I, I really like it. Um, there's some weird stuff going on with... You know, this is like the 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 costume designs are classic here. Um, I, I never really liked Beast's costume design in this particular issue. Well, because like he's weird not blue and furry. On his head. I, yeah, yeah. I know Walt's
0: doing the best with what he has, but Beast just needs to be a blue furry ape cat cap, cap dude, you know? Yeah. Just let him... Let his freak flag fly,
1: <laughs> but this has a great cast to it, um, and
0: it's kind of a, a heartwarming uh,
1: issue mm-hmm. um, that involves the the whole team, which
0: is really nice. Yeah. So this happens right after Fall of the Mutants. So Apocalypse has been defeated. Archangel is out brooding somewhere. He's mm. just he's just mad that X Factor. So, so yeah, man, man, <laughs> that Archangel stuff. It's I have some opinions on it. <laughs> uh, but they're doing that Scott and Jean are together at last like since the first time since she was dead and resurrected uh, mm-hmm. all the kids are just out doing stuff and they're enjoying this kind of adulation that they haven't gotten before like we talked in the last episode about how starting in issue eight the X-Men really were hated and feared. And this is the first time that they aren't. And it's weird (laughs) in a good way.
1: Well, I think this issue is a really great demonstration of, um, I mentioned this on Twitter the other day is that what Simonson does so well, um, with X factor is she borrows from the fantastic four playbook, uh, to make sure that this team is this homegrown New York superhero team that's beloved. And, uh, you know, if they weren't, then you wouldn't get these great moments like Iceman creating a Christmas tree out of ice on the top of the Empire State Building. Um, yeah. What a great classic uh, X Factor moment that is. I mean, it's going to be a real pain in the ass when all that stuff melts. But <laughs> as a visual uh, and, and as a, you know, a gesture of, of New York's acceptance of these guys, it's really cool.
0: Right. And I don't think we have to belabor the point that Walter Simonson draws this like Walter Simonson would draw something. It's top notch, it's gorgeous. Walter Simonson is very good at comic books.
1: Yeah, and I, I just um, I want to thank the Simonsons because um, over the course of two back-to-back New York Comic-Cons they were nice enough to sign this one, both of them. Uh, the first time Aww. I went and had a nice conversation with, uh, with Luis and Walt had gone off to do a panel and I wasn't able to catch up with him. So the next year uh, I was and uh, had a nice conversation with him. They are just the coolest, nicest People um, and so gracious with with their time. Um, you can tell that they just absolutely love what they do, and uh, some of that love is definitely in this book
0: because this is a super heartwarming story. Yeah. So we all know that the great debate on this this podcast was over Exterminators, mm-hmm. which is about these kids. But for me, mostly, <laughs> it's about Artie and Leach. Yeah, who I love dearly and. This is the issue that cements that so much because Artie and Leech see that other kids are sad and they want to give their toys to them for Christmas. I love it. I love, I love it. it so much. Yeah. They're the best kids. And Boom Boom is not thrilled about this because <laughs> even though Boom Boom's like 15, 16 years old, Boom Boom is Boom Boom. And she had a rough, rough growing up and people giving her free stuff. She doesn't want to give that away. That's right.
1: But it, it's um, it's it's a great demonstration of character work uh, with all of the side characters. And then we also get a really great uh, gray family reunion uh, in the midst of this as well, um, which oh, is, yeah. of course, because it's X Factor, nice and dramatic and soapy. And uh, it's it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I forgot about that <laughs> straight up. There's a lot of things happening in this book. Like this is a transition issue. And right. But it's dense.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it even goes so far dense. at the very end to give you a little uh, a little cliffhanger of <laughs> apocalypse. Toasting, uh, what is he toasting? Does, New York? Is he? Oh, he's, I guess he's toasting X Factor. But it's such a weird to follow panel. up on that. Merry <laughs> <laughs> <Or is laughs> Christmas, X Factor!
0: <laughs> <X-Factor. laughs>
1: it's it's a hilarious panel. Um, and it's, it's sticking with the lighthearted tone of, of the book, but uh, I really enjoy this issue.
0: Yeah. It's real good. It, this is just a good heartwarming X factor issue. Yeah, I like it a lot.
1: All right. Now, where does where it do stack raise- in terms of uh, it's uh, it's place on the list?
0: It's better than X Terminators.
1: Okay. All right. So I think it is. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it has, uh, I think, some really good character work here, and it's very heartwarming. Um, so we know we're going above that. Um, I that's you know, at
0: 31 right now.
1: Yeah, this doesn't have a lot of consequence to it, but it is a really great demonstration of like when Axe Factor is in its prime and it is working really well, um, why the book is beloved. Uh, so mm, I don't know.
0: Here's what I'm going to ask, because yeah. we actually have a chunk of X-Factor.
1: Yeah, we do, actually. We have uh, above X-Terminators, we also have, Well, wait, no, that's Peter David X-Factor, so...
0: I mean, it's still the same. It's still X-Factor.
1: Yeah. Different team, different creative uh, people.
0: Sure. I finished I'm sorry. And above, above that, we have Inferno, X-Men, and X-Factor.
2: Mm. I...
0: I think I like this better than Inferno, but I don't think it is better than Inferno.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good distinction. Um, so then is it better than the first couple issues of uh Peter David's X Factor?
0: I cannot, in good conscience, make that decision because my overwhelming love for Artie Leach and Boom Boom just it it blinds me to rationality. <laughs>
1: All right, well, why don't we give you uh, a little Christmas gift here? Because, you know, we we've, we battled over where exterminators go. I know you think it's too low on the list. Um, why don't we put it at number 30? So then it's ahead of the Peter David, and then it's uh, below
0: Inferno. I can live with that. Oh, I can live with that. I think that's a so, good place for it to hustle. Yeah, X-Factor 27 gifts. Yes jumps in at number 30 so the next story we have on our list this holiday season is uncanny x-men 143 with the incredibly festive name demon
1: (laughs) yeah and despite its protagonist is not a hanukkah story
0: (laughs) no but hanukkah plays a key role in it because that is true Yeah, because Kitty's missing her family. Everyone's getting to celebrate stuff, and she isn't. Mm -hmm. It actually – I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent. It actually reminds me a lot of one of my favorite episodes of X-Men Evolution where they have a Christmas episode, and everyone gets to go to their family, including Kitty. She gets to go back to Deerfield to have Hanukkah with with her family. But the only people left at the mansion are Scott and Rogue. And in that show, Scott and Rogue have – Rogue has a thing for Scott. Scott has a thing for Gene. It's perfect teenage drama. But they're they're just left at the mansion. And it has that same feel of, hey, I'm here. I feel left out on these holidays. This is a big time for everyone. But why am I so down in the dumps? And it's nice. I like this a lot.
1: Well, th- this is, of course, because it's Claremont, it's also, you know, a horror story because <laughs> we can't just leave Kitty hanging out in the house on her own, uh, you know, lonely and missing her family. We have to go way back. And I'm, if correct me if I'm wrong, if I've got this correct, we're, we're stretching back to what is it, X Men
0: '98? Uh, uh, Third issue of the new run. So 94, 95, 96. 96, yeah. We're really going back
1: uh, quite a bit into the run to figure out where this demon is coming from. Um, Fascinating that that this is where we decide to pull that back in.
0: Yeah, one of the Nagari demons from the the carrion that lives... On the Xavier Institute grounds and has been
1: chilling in the backyard.
0: The obelisk gateway to hell that surprisingly (laughs) has existed for a while, containing the Nagari demons who were later taken over by the Rutai demons who look suspiciously like maggots maggots. Mm. Hmm. That's some deep cut continuity for you. Yes,
1: But the Nagari are also not to be confused with the Brood, who they really kind of also look Oh, like. because this story um, is
0: very feels like it's influenced by Alien. Like, I don't oh, know yeah. when Ridley Scott's Alien came out, but well, I see. imagine Chris Claremont watched that movie and said, hey, this is pretty good. I'm going to write some X-Men stories about it. And then he did it again and again.
1: Well Alien is 1979.
0: Okay, yeah. So he definitely, then, this is definitely Chris Claremont riffing off of Alien because this is an 81.
1: Yeah. So it's it's in recent memory, you know, and and Claremont wears his uh influences very very broadly on, you know, right on the sleeve. Yeah. So, uh this is this is clearly a uh a reference to that as is, you know, the Brit in General. Um you know, to the xenomorphs, but, uh, I think this is a really fun story and I want to champion, um, one individual here because, you know, I think when you think about this issue, you might be thinking about John Byrne, um, and what a great job he is as an X-Men artist. Uh, you might be thinking about Claremont, but I will tell you the superstar of this issue is Tom or Because there is a waterfall, a deluge of text in boxes, narrations, and thought bubbles as we get through this and every single page. I mean, I know this is consistent through this part of the run, but my goodness, there is a lot of text on some of these pages and he he is just packing it into those thought bubbles. Good for him.
0: That's strong. Claremont... Claremont never found a two dollar word that he didn't want to turn into a ten dollar word. He never found a thought bubble that was too small. He's uh, I love him to death. He uses a lot of words, and I'll be honest, I some of some Claremontisms when I go back, I just kind of get the gist of what he's saying. And I'm like, yep, yep, this is this is what this text bubble really would be today. Both words <laughs> of it.
1: Well, it would be amazing to see what an issue like this would be pared down to um, Almost today nothing. uh you know it's a right it's a 22 page story but i'm just looking at one page here um i'm on page 17 i think and the amount of uh thought bubbles and the amount of words in those thought bubbles and then there's also narration blocks um in every single panel in some cases there's multiple ones it's insane You know, just to read the one page might take you as long as it might take you to read, like, five or six pages in a contemporary comic. Uh, It's a very different style. Uh, Do you like this story? It's a
0: freaking Claremont Byrne story. This is the last John Byrne X-Men story until 1992? 91, 92? It's, It's very interesting. It's a weird one to end on. And it has some weird... That's true. Weird plot elements in it, like there is the part where Wolverine introduces his 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 lady Mariko Yashida to the X Men, mm-hmm. and Kurt decides to be you know Earl Flynn, swashbuckler guy, and plays a little mistletoe <laughs> thing on her, and Wolverine tries to murder him.
1: Yeah, to pretty wait. much claws out. He's pissed.
0: Which I know just from knowing X-Men lore that that was something that editor Jim Shooter really put – editor-in-chief Jim Shooter, excuse me, really pushed to try and make uh, Wolverine more animalistic and more dangerous again because he'd been tamed over the last six years of X-Men. And it uh, it feels incredibly out of place.
1: Yeah, it doesn't – I mean they're supposed yeah. to be really good friends. So it doesn't really make a, make sense for him to take
0: thing at him with the claws. But yeah. hey – and we no. also get the first appearance of captain elitus lee Forrester in this who is someone i have a lot of affection for
1: yeah um because cyclops gets uh gets a little rendezvous there right because
0: yeah, he, he gets on his boat he goes on his yeah, boat yeah. trip to get does he get attacked by an octopus in the very next issue
1: is it an octopus or is no you're right yeah because that's what takes them to magneto well no uh, first they have to team volcano up with a uh, right? man
0: thing first they team up with man thing and then oh, they okay. end up on the forgot about that yeah 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 they end up on the uh uh octopusheim, as jay and miles call it yeah this is good kind, yeah, kind, of, kind of hard not. it's to a good it little it christmasy that. issue yeah. i like Very it great. a lot uh it has a nice happy ending it has kitty destroying most of the x mansion which is kind of funny mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Yeah, the scene where Storm is like, I just went upstairs and is there something you want to tell us? Yeah, <laughs> don't go look for the great.
0: Blackbird. Huh.
1: Yeah. The classic uh Kitty Pride story. Um so uh where where would you rank this story?
0: I like this. This is this is a good mid tier Claremont uh X-Men issue. Like mm-hmm. it's not as yeah. good as Life Death. I don't think it's as good as the Storm and Ileana Magic miniseries. I probably like it about as much as I like X Men or X Factor Twenty Seven. Actually, probably a little less than that because, like, I think it's. I think this Kitty Pride story is a very solid, tight, well written twenty pages of comics, twenty two pages, whatever it ends up being. Yeah, I don't think it's incredibly essential. I think it's. I think this is good X Men. Just yeah, capital G good X Men.
1: Well, it's excellent character development, you know, uh, for Kitty on, on her own, you know, we, we get a nice little, uh, exploration of what she's like on her own, what her motivations are. Um, you know, what her relationship to the rest of the X-Men are, but, you know, a big chunk of the issue is like you said, it's, it's alien. She's on the run and she's trying to figure out a way to best, uh, destroy this thing that's chasing her. So you know, I, I I see where you're coming from there. Uh, it certainly doesn't have a, a lot of uh, callbacks. You know, it, we're we're not going to be referencing these these characters or this story uh, for the most part again. So I don't know. Um, maybe it goes down by X Factor twenty seven as a, a well remembered and excellently executed issue that doesn't have a terrible amount of consequence.
0: Actually, you know, you know what issue we described exactly like that. that? The Dracula issue of Uncanny oh, okay. X-Men. Because this is this is mostly the same thing. Like this is a Claremont well-written one-shot with good art that's kind of okay. just there.
1: I mean, I think that this is um better than Wolverine Snicked, and I think that it I don't know. I, I'd probably put this ahead of Battle of the Atom as well, just for you know the the fact that it's Claremont and Burns Swan song here. Um, how do you think about it in terms of relation to Unus the untouchable in
0: X-Men volume one number eight I think I'd rather read the Unis issue again all right like that's a really funny issue like yeah. I, I think about that panel of Unus trying to get his cigarettes
1: <laughs> he wants that cake man
0: he really does. <laughs> oh that's good stuff so that can be our right. number 34 I think perfect between X-Men number eight and Battle the Atom uncanny X-Men 134 demon now brings us to our final story today our final yuletide tale this is taking place in a very special issue so special in fact it says special on the cover Mm -hmm. this is in marvel holiday special 1991 it is a story by scott lobdell with art by dave cockram called a miracle a few blocks down from 34th Street. (laughs) Um, Can
1: I just tell you what a pleasure it was revisiting this? Um, I remember owning this as a kid and uh, just really enjoying every single one of the little short stories in it. And uh, it was really fun to go back and reread this.
0: Yeah, it's kind of great. Like, let's talk about this team. Scott Lobdell is among the X-Men writers who've just written the most X-Men, and he was just in the process of starting at mm-hmm. this point. I think he he would have just been doing a few like Excalibur arcs and backups and stuff like that around here.
1: Yeah, he's you know he's probably picking up uh, adjective lists after Burn jumped off, right?
0: Yep. And Dave Cockrum is known as the guy who helped invent X-Men as yeah. the thing we actually care about.
1: Mm-hmm. And this is not a contemporary, uh, 1991 X-Men story. This is a classic X-Men story. So, you know, <laughs> we get some really, really great nods to that time period. And I think I, I want to compliment Labdell for, um, doing a really good job of, of setting the tone and the place of this. It, it has a certain, um, you know, place within continuity that really works very well. It's It's got a certain Claremont's, you know, Claremontian feel to it. Uh, it's not overly uh, verbose, but it, it manages to capture the characters in that specific time frame, I think, pretty well.
0: Yeah, it fits perfectly because I was actually I was actually bef- this was the first time I'd read this story. I had a rough idea of what happened in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly the special guest star who appears, who we will talk about. Yeah,
1: that's probably the most important
0: part. It is. Uh, but I was sitting the whole time. I was like, wait, okay. I know the X-Men go shopping, get attacked by Sentinels and then end up in space early in that run. So is this happening after that? I don't know what happens. And then this is what I am calling the canonical lead up to that. (laughs) Um, no one can argue with, no one can convince me that this is non-canonical. This is what happened between panels.
1: Yeah, that makes sense because uh, their memory is erased at the end and then they're all sort of united at Rockefeller Center at the end of the story.
0: Even if their Uh, memory wasn't erased, (laughs) I'd say that this this happened. Leprechauns (laughs) show up like six issues later, so don't tell me that the guest star of this is just too crazy for X-Men.
1: Well, before we get to the star of the show, uh, I think it's also worth mentioning that our boy Unus is back in this story. Unus. And, uh, you know, it's it's great. He's sort of wearing uh, his full-on uniform under a yellow overcoat, gets freaked out by Banshee and starts, like, repelling people left and right. It's wonderful.
0: Yeah. Uh, Banshee, Mastermind, Unus, and not Banshee, ugh, Blob, Mastermind, Unus, yes. and Toad are just hanging out shopping. Yeah they they're they're trying to start their own version of the brotherhood of evil mutants
1: (laughs) it's kind of adorable you know in it's incompetence it seems like
0: something mastermind would do oh sure like he's he still hasn't figured out the phoenix is gonna be a big deal yet this is him just just screwing around
1: uh so we should probably get into why the X Men are even out on the town because they've received this uh, alert from Cerebro that it, they have tracked "quote unquote" the most powerful mutant ever registered, and they need to figure out whether it's a hero or a villain. And uh, do, you, is, do you want to say who it is, or do you want me I to? I think you you should do it, Zach. Who who is it?
0: It's Santa Claus. Yeah. it's Santa Claus. <laughs> it's jolly old Saint Nick. It's Chris Kringle himself. It is. Santa Claus, the most powerful mutant ever registered. He turns the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants into toys, (laughs) into action figures. And then Colossus makes a joke saying, man, I hope the X-Men never become action figures. (laughs) Wink. Wink, 1991, toy biz. And then Santa, he says, no, I'm not going to choose sides. I'm Santa Claus. I'm really good. Here, I'm going to teleport you to where you need to be, which is with the rest of the X-Men in Rockefeller Plaza so that they can go into space and Gene can get the Phoenix Force, which makes me think that Santa Claus may be responsible for the Dark Phoenix saga. Ooh, I hadn't looked
1: at it that way, but you may have a point, especially because he's trying to just, just sort of like stay off to the side on the sidelines. You know, uh,
0: I, I, All I'm saying is if Santa Claus would... Lay down the red and white, and take up the blue and yellow of the X Men. Maybe the Dabari people wouldn't have been, you know, <laughs> genocided.
1: That's a good point. That's a good point. But he's, you know, he's got work to do. He's got to,
0: uh, he's got to deliver presents. Um, well, this brings up so many questions in my mind. Was Santa depowered on M Day? Did the Scarlet Witch ruin Christmas for everyone? I don't know. What an
1: excellent question. Um, and 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 has he? Yeah. And for how long? Because, uh, the depowered mutant kind lasts for quite a bit of time. I mean, he may have been one of the, uh, the people who were not depowered, right? Uh, the, the few, Well,
0: they, they say, they say in Canon, and this is, this is like loose Canon that one of the reasons why so many well-known mutants may have kept their powers is that Dr. Strange put up a protective thing, but it was only, it was mostly only for people that he knew mm. I believe that Dr. Strange is aware of Santa Claus. Oh, sure. Like he's the master of the mystic arts and Santa Claus is a magical figure. <laughs> I imagine that Dr. Strange has had some run-ins with Santa Claus though. I, I read a lot of Marvel holiday specials over the weekend and I don't remember what where Santa Claus and Dr. Strange hang out.
1: No, not that I can recall, but, uh, it does bring up some interesting continuity questions. I I just think it's really a a delightful little story. Um, and I think that having Cochran back, uh, to draw it and Labdell really doing a great job of putting this into continuity. I mean, you, you'd be excused if you thought that this was one of the classic X-Men backup stories. Um, because it's, it's excellent. I think it's really fun. And I also think it's worth noting, um, I I mentioned this before, there are some really great other stories in this special and we don't have to go through each one, but there's a, a, an excellent um, fantastic four story that is written by Walter Simonson and done by Arthur Adams. Um, They had just collaborated on one of my favorite things, which is the uh, new fantastic four um, in part of Simonson's (laughs) run. Um, You mentioned that you really like the cap story that's in here, right?
0: Yeah. There's a captain America story by, Uh, Len Kaminsky and Ron Lim and it's Cap uh, doing what being being a good boy and Cap goes visits a uh, veterans association on Christmas because he wants to be there for his fellow soldiers and he runs into Bucky Barnes's sister and he goes and essentially just goes to her house and talks to her about hey I know your brother disappeared a while ago. Your brother was a great dude. He was my best friend. And he said he at the end of the day for Christmas, he says, I don't have a lot from Bucky, but here's what I do have. And he gave her a badge from his uniform. Yeah. And it's a freaking touching story. And it's everything I want Cap to be.
1: I I thought it was great, you know, because it resolves with uh, her inviting him to stay and that, you know, he's now part of the family. And it's it's a really great story. Um there is one extra piece of X-Men content in uh in this special, and there, there is there is the Merry Mutant Melodies two, it says. So I'm a little unclear as to where Merry Mutant Melodies one was. Do you happen to know that?
0: What's the number twelve? Ah, okay. I don't know the number actually off the top of my head, because I immediately said, This is number two? Yeah. Well, yeah there was i it was in what the okay all right which yeah. by the way if no one's ever gone back to what the <laughs> it's not bad it's not good <laughs> but it's not the worst thing in the world it's a marvel comedy series it has
1: a lot of fun stuff in it you know if you ever wanted to yeah. see cyclops shooting laser beams out of his ears
0: uh, uh, uh no that's what if is that a what if that that was what if that was the. Was, I don't know if it was the editor's month special of what if, yeah, or I think that's what
1: that's what it is, and that one's really good. Yeah, they, they
0: just oh, it that that issue of what if is among the best ideas of a comic book ever. <laughs> I love that issue so much. Yeah,
1: all right, so so the original Mary mutant melodies appeared in what the uh, dash dash yep. question mark exclamation point. Um, but we do have these song parodies of have yourself a merry little Christmas, uh, the 12 days of, of, uh, X, Men, uh, jingle bells. And for some reason we have a parody of Madonna's Vogue, um, which is rewritten to be about rogue and they're, they're funny. Um, they're picking on, you know, sort of the 1990s X explosion with the sales and all that stuff. So um, they, they're they're silly. They're worth checking out.
0: They are worth checking out, and maybe if you guys are good boys and girls, we'll uh, we'll stock we'll uh, stuff a sneak preview of one of these in your stocking at the end of this episode. Yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> that, that may happen. So we've talked a lot about this holiday special. I love it. Adam, where does it go on this list? Because this is a hard one to rank because I refuse to believe that it's a what if, but it probably needs to be treated in the same like vein as the what ifs because we've never done like we've never done like just one shot in an anthology thing. Before. No.
1: And, um, you know, I think when we finally get around to getting into some of the classic X-Men vignettes, we're going to be in a similar issue because some of those are really good, but they're short. You know, the, these are little tiny, uh, storylines. Um, I, you know, all right. So you just said, you're talking about what if I'm, I'm gravitating towards the last, what if story that we covered, which was Valentino's X-Men staying in Asgard. um,
0: I like it better than that. Okay. I like it better than that. All but right. this is this is a group consensus. This is Adam's feelings and Zach's feelings mixed into the correct feelings on X-Men.
1: <laughs> um okay, so how high do you want to go?
0: Ooh, man, see? That means I have to make a decision. Is Santa better than Dracula? Yes. Okay. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. So we'll put it above number thirty-seven for sure. Uh, is this better than that Kitty Pride story that we just wrote. No. Read? Okay, I can I can buy that as well because this is only a few pages. Yes,
1: but I think it is it, better than Snicked. So the question is, is it better than our namesake, Battle of the Atom?
0: Yeah, it is, dude. All right, dude, dude. This is Santa Claus being a mutant <laughs> and then Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And then just, yes. It's really well yes, done. In the spirit of Christmas, in the spirit of Christmas, I have to believe that this incredibly coherent and beautiful Dave Cockrum drawn classic giant size X-Men story is better than Battle of the Atom. All
1: right. And it's going in at 35.
0: It is going in at number 35 between Demon and Battle of the Atom, Marvel Holiday Special 1991, a miracle a few blocks down from 34th Street. <laughs> and that does it for the ranking segment of the show, but in the spirit of Christmas, we wanted to give you guys a bit of a gift. So, what we did, I put out earlier today a just if anyone has any X-Men Christmas Holiday specials for Bal the Atom to answer. Yeah, ask him. And people did. Cool. So we'll we'll pick a few of these. Uh, this first one comes from uh, Papa Trent at InstaTrent on Twitter, and he asks, "What would Dupe want for Christmas?"
1: Oh well, i I'm, I would assume some sort of, uh, you know, high definition uh, filmmaking equipment. Of some kind. I mean, that's my first thought. Um, I mean, this could really go
0: anywhere. Here's where I think you're wrong. Yeah. I think that Dupe has already spent everything that he wants on film and TV equipment, and he doesn't trust anyone else to buy it for him. Hmm. He has very specific specs. For some reason, my mind's just gravitating towards the word pineapple, but I don't know what that means.
1: <laughs> well, I think we should use a little bit of dream logic to this, right? Because, you know, what what is inside of a of dupe, uh, you know, is is a real chaotic uh, environment. So it really could be anything. I mean, uh, I you know, I'm kind of envisioning him maybe wanting like uh, a Criterion collection of uh, avant garde. Um, you know, like Dadaist movies or something like that. What, what do you think?
0: Like, like, that's good. I can't top that. <laughs> that's what he's getting for Christmas.
1: You know, like those old, like, experiment movies where somebody's trying to uh, stab the other guy in the eyeball with a needle or something. Like, I can see Duke really, like, having a having that on his list. All right, I'm sorry. What, what was the next question?
0: The next question comes from us from Charlie Etheridge Nunn. Charlie underscore En on Twitter saying, if an ex-person would go through the Santa Claus, clause as in the legal uh, sentence, who would it be? Ooh. Who would okay. be the most likely to be Santa Claus did?
1: So we're plugging one of the X-Men into the Tim Allen role of
0: the, uh, of yes. The, essentially the, one the of the X-Men thing. is going to become Chris Kringle. Ooh. Okay. On accident though. So this is not which X-Men would right. become Chris King Kringle intentionally.
1: Yeah. And he falls off the roof in that movie, if I remember correctly. So, you know, we Santa have to Santa The
0: old Santa. Yes. The yep. old Santa does.
1: Yeah. Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, because yeah. it's got
0: to be someone who doesn't want to be santa claus
1: yeah and also somebody it who can could someone... have a physical transformation into santa claus you know so it can't be somebody that that has any of his physical attributes because that's part of the comedy is like that he's got to get big he's got to grow the beard got to go white haired
0: um i think it's wolverine i mean I think that's... it's wolverine
1: you got to pick somebody who's who's kind of grumpy so i think that's a good that's a that's a fairly good pick uh, I think uh, Generation X era Banshee might be a, a nice uh, a nice answer to this. Banshee's thinking... too
0: damn cheerful. I know Generation <laughs> X Banshee. But no, Banshee is the most likely to be Santa Claus. Like yeah, just regular in his rare right time, he's Claus. accidentally Santa Claus.
1: Who else is like super grumpy?
0: Yeah, uh, Cable.
1: Ooh, I would love to see. Well, but he's already got white hair. So, and he sometimes yeah, has
0: the white beard.
1: So, all right, let's let's stick with Logan. I think he's he's a good pick for this. He's he's gonna really hate being Santa Claus, and that that fits the will. movie.
0: All right. Uh this comes to us from Matt underscore Sibley, uh, my good buddy and Legion Quest co-host, Matt Sibley, asking which iteration of the team would have the most successful Christmas day, which would have the least successful Christmas day.
1: Ooh. Um, Well, I think we just saw the, you know, the classic X-Men kind of have the, a really great Christmas. I mean, I, I think that was pretty solid.
0: Yeah. So they've got that down to a science.
1: That's going to be the best. Now who's going to have the worst? I think, uh, ecstatics is gonna have the worst christmas
2: yes because <laughs> yes, i'm
1: gonna to... die and then the you know there's gonna be like some weird christmas themed guy who's gonna try and join the team it's gonna be awful
0: it will be uh we just got a couple more that that i want to get to uh front of the show uh genetic ghost who has the great podcast the young ones uh excuse me uh asked what's cable's preferred christmas cookie Ooh, uh, snickerdoodle. Snickerdoodle. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> snickerdoodle. Well,
1: then we yes. must be right. I mean, we...
0: yeah, that's correct. Uh, a friend of the show, uh, Luke Hare at Coldfrag asks, which X-Men would you least want to get as a secret Santa giftie, and what would you get them?
1: Ooh. Oh, gosh. You want to take a shot at this?
0: Uh, let me think. I... I feel like Storm would be tough. Hmm. I feel like Storm would be tough to buy for because you want to make it good. You want to make it right. You want it to be a great present because who doesn't want to impress Storm? But Storm's really into gardening, and that's her biggest hobby. And I don't know what else you get Storm. Hmm. Like, what do you – What do you buy the woman who has everything? She doesn't need anything for gardening because she can just kind of make a garden happen. (laughs) I immediately
1: started to think of like Rogue. Uh, You know, she's prickly. She's probably not going to like whatever you get. And your first instinct is going to be to buy her a new pair of gloves. And she's going to hate that. That was
0: exactly my first instinct.
1: (laughs) You're right. You know, maybe there's some sort of like, telepathic link that the sweaters provide you know that are that are that are linking our brains here zach <laughs>
0: that's that's a good point uh, our last question comes from Nur revel at Ravel underscore Nur on twitter who asks uh he asked a couple questions about hanukkah which i'm not a i'm i'm not jewish my entire hanukkah based knowledge comes from the rugrats hanukkah special hmm. that played a lot when i was younger which is a very good episode Okay. Like if you if you're ranking Rugrats, that's surprisingly high on the list.
1: That's another podcast.
0: <laughs> uh, that is, uh, but their question is, uh, what kind of candles do the Gene Grade School slash X Men X Mansion use for Hanukkah? And I'm sorry, I don't know enough about Hanukkah candles to know that there are even different types. Ooh. I thought you would just buy like a like an eight pack at the store. I'm sorry, yeah. I don't know enough about. I was that.
1: going to say wax.
0: Yes, I don't think that's wrong either.
1: I, but Are we looking for a brand name here? Because I don't know. I, 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 I feel relatively ignorant about the uh, different kinds of, of candles that may be on the market as well. So, but there
0: uh, is a question they ask that I do at least have an answer for, and it's what kind of ex-Hanukkah traditions are there? Oh, Now, not a ton of the X-Men are Jewish, mm-hmm. but I feel very strongly that especially utopia-era – magneto Mm. and kitty pride shared a very important hanukkah together because i am 100 percent on board that magneto his favorite holiday and this is not just colored by that beautiful moment in uh x-men first class where it's magneto's favorite memory is hanukkah with his mother Mm -hmm. Uh, but i believe that magneto has strong feelings about a holiday that celebrates an oppressed minority group fighting and resisting against an overwhelming group trying to attack them, taking back their land, and standing up for what they believe in. like From everything I understand about Hanukkah, that's Magneto's deal. That is his entire jam, and I believe that it is very important to him.
1: Yo, Zach, I just want to let you know that that, Rutgers, uh, that Rugrats uh, special obviously taught you quite a bit about the holiday.
0: <laughs> yes, yes it's it's a, good. Well done. a cool story i like yeah, hanukkah like, absolutely I, my family doesn't celebrate it because we are not of jewish descent but i i think magneto would yes. i think magneto would like it a lot and he would bring in kitty pride because they've traditionally had that connection like they may not always get along but their judaism that's what really started magneto's face turn in uncanny 150 that's really what brought them together uh before the trial of Magneto, going to a Holocaust uh, memorial together. Yeah. Like, I I 100% believe that Hanukkah, even if Magneto, I can't imagine, is very much a practicing Jew, I can 100% believe that Hanukkah is something that's important to him still. Well said, sir. And with that, this has been a holiday-themed Battle of the Atom. Everything Battle of the Atom is supported by the wonderful folk on Patreon. Uh, If you want an entire episode built around something that you suggested for Battle of the Atom, a story that you want to see ranked, how about you go over to patreon.com slash xavierfiles. If you pitch in at the $2 level, you will get a story on this list, and it will be a ton of fun. Now, beyond that, everything we do Battle of the Atom-wise comes to us from... I just repeated myself. Oh, my gosh. I'm getting too used to this. Uh, <laughs> you can find uh, every, Battle of the Atom hosted on my website, Xavierfiles.com. That's also where I talk about different X-Men things. Uh, this week I will have covered Danger, the X-Men's Living Danger Room, which nice. is, I assume, going to be interesting. I have not written it yet because I record these in the past. So, you know, it'll be uh, it'll be a good time. Uh, beyond that, you can follow me on Twitter at Xavier files. Now, Adam rec, where can people find you online?
1: Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacey. Uh, you can check out my website, AdamReckTumblr.com, And, uh, probably by the time this is out, I will have a downloadable PDF of the latest issue of Bish and Jube's available at uh, my big cartel store. So, uh, if you're interested in that, um, you can hop over to
0: my Twitter and you can link up. Awesome. I'm really excited to get Bish and tubes. I'm so happy. Yeah. <laughs> Next week we're going to be ringing in the new year with stories about guys going to bars and gals, really X Men and X Men adjacent characters going to bars. That's a Patreon request, and I'm really excited for it because it has one of my favorite X Men one shots. Period. So hmm. it'll be a good be time. We just want to say Merry Christmas, Happy Conica, Joyous Kwanzaa, whatever you're celebrating this holiday season. I hope it's a good one. Thank you for listening on Battle of the Atom. Adam, thank you for uh, doing this show with me over the last 21 weeks.
1: Hey, man, this has been great. Uh, and happy holidays to you and your family.
0: Happy holidays to you and your family. Now, we have we have something special that Adam, uh, Adam whipped up, surprised me with this afternoon, and made me incredibly happy when I saw it. This is a song called By Yourself, Another X-Men Spinoff, and it's a real treat. Until next time, this has been Battle of the Atom, and I ho-ho-hope you survived the experience. By Yourself,
2: another X-Men Spinoff the prices rise From now on Store orders will be twice the size By yourself another Rexman spin-off Make your parents pay be reading 24 hours a day. Here you are, going out of your mind, trying hard to find exports. Comic stores, maybe all sold out. So stand up and shout, get more. Through the years, we only had uncanny, causing quite the stir. Now factor for sand don't forget Excalibur. So by yourself another X-Men spin.